Beardy and the Beast Media Club. This is placeholder intro song. Thank you for joining us for the Beardy and Beast Media Club, a podcast where we discuss a film in detail with no concern for spoilers. We will consume those spoilers like a corrupt priest consumes that sweet, sweet sacramental wine. We're available on this and other platforms and services, a full list available at beardyandthebeast.com. You know what to do, thumbs up, subscribe, but if you enjoy our content, you should give us a share. I'm Drew, and always I'm joined by the sin of mischief in our hearts, Devin. Stop. Today we'll be discussing the 2017 black comedy, The Little Hours. This is an adaptation spoof of the first tale of the third day from Giovanni Boccaccio's Decameron. So, what sins have you come to confess about the film, my son? I watched that movie and it's three hours I'm never getting back. <laughs> I, I take it you did not enjoy that movie. <laughs> the movie's an hour and a half. It took twice that. <laughs> like, not actually watching it, just felt like that uh that's that's definitely that is a i would say that's a bad sign because when the length of a film feels extended like that and it's not intended that would definitely be a negative however for me i would say this film felt more like 45 minutes really i absolutely adored this film wow yeah. That is okay. This is amazing. This is not how I expected this to go today. <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> Just something about the the way that it would go between the um almost even period ac- accurate costumes and sets and sereneness and sound, birds chirping to the uh like stone face um sarcastic or even abusive humor that's more contemporary at a drop of a hat just would really get me just like like a punch like a a punch and a jab of little humor things yeah and i I think that's why i enjoyed it so much yeah i i can i can see it's like i mean this movie has an amazing comedic cast i mean molly shannon John C. Riley, Allison Brie, uh, Aubrey Plaza, and um, Kate Micucci. Like they're they are funny people. Like I love um, uh, Garfunkel Notes, which um, Kate Micucci is part of. Uh, Community is probably one of my main go-to shows. While I haven't watched as much um, Parks and Rec, I've definitely seen the memes and find them hilarious. With like Aubrey Plaza and John C. Riley is the reason why I can watch any Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, I could see. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, Molly Shannon, of course, being a, a an SNL alum, right? Right up there with Tina Fey. And so, yeah, I did not find that. I, I, I feel like I could see what they were trying to go for. But for some reason, I didn't see the the chemistry between most of these characters. I didn't feel like, um, Makuji Plaza and Bree played into each other well enough, at least at the beginning. Um, I found Allison Bree and and Opera Plaza played a bit better as the movie kind of went on, but it felt like I was just watching Opera Plaza, Allison Bree, Kate Makuji. Like it felt they felt almost typecast instead of having any chemistry. Whereas Dave Franco and John C. Riley, the first time when they were first together doing their doing the confessions that's literally the first chuckle that movie got out of me really yeah i felt the anachronism of aubrey plaza's as you said that just that contemporary kind mm. of insulting humor it felt so out of place and so unwarranted it just came across as abusive to me yeah and i'm just like holy crap, you are a terrible person, and it gets worse when, when they meet uh, uh, Franco's character. Oh, no, I, <laughs> I have some theories for you later. All right. And I think it will draw your interest a little bit more into this movie. It may not flip you around. 
Um, That's fair. But if you ever did watch it again, you would be like, I understand what you're saying. I think part of the reason why you didn't see that chemistry till later in the movie is because this entire film was a 20-page outline. From right. there, the rest of it is a whole lot of improvisation. They were given yeah. beats, and then the comedians were tasked with doing something with it. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. That's a, that's a very difficult thing to do. Yes. And if you don't have the right people there doing it together, it can fall really quickly. Um, and I look at Ghostbusters is, is a really good example of people who clicked doing that. The original Ghostbusters, from what I hear, because I haven't seen the 2016 one, I hear that's a good example of them not doing that. And that's almost almost what I felt. Like, I could see that bit of improv. Like, I mean, even with, like, the turnips. No, they're shit. Like, it felt like it was improv. But it made characters like um, like um, Kate Mikuchi's character, it made her feel like a tag-along. Like, she wasn't... Because, I mean, I, I know her more as a singer. Like, I know she's been in plenty of things, mm. but never as, like, a a main cast member in the same way that um that the rest of the cast has been. So it you could feel that she wasn't... It, it almost felt like she wasn't prepared okay. for, um, for the improv. And, I mean, you know, I'm honestly not surprised for you to say that it was a 20-page excerpt or, or outline, essentially. Because I honestly feel like the movie should have started at the end. That's mm -hmm. when I finally felt like, okay, now we're getting some characters, now we're getting some movement. I honestly have no idea where the plot was. <laughs> and it just threw me off. Even like talking the visuals and the the the, um, the archaic feel that it was going for. They had the the text, you know, that really reminded me of things like, you know, old Robin Hood movies. And I think that's what they were going for. Yeah. The music going through that just took me out because i couldn't tell what it was supposed to be and you know i mean it's been a long time but i used to do like i, I did do music for a long while and it just didn't it felt like something trying to be what it thinks that period's music would sound like without actually knowing what it was and even that took me out mm. almost immediately at the beginning of the film yeah if we were to skip back if, if we were to look at the characters themselves, I would say um, Alessandra or uh, Bree's character being your likely the primary protagonist. I think yeah. uh, Makuchi's character, Genova, was intentionally the tag along and the tattletale. Like, I, I thought that was intentionally part of her character. Yeah. Uh, like a little sister character. Yeah. And yeah, then. I definitely see that. Is Forrest Plaza's character, my my eternal celebrity crush, uh, Robert Plaza. Um, <laughs> disinterest. <laughs> it's fully the disinterest. Sister Fernanda, the rude defiant. Um, I couldn't I couldn't figure out if she was more of a antihero or an ant antagonist archetype. Yeah. Within the film. Yeah. And I think as an overall story, the changes of the characters themselves are the actual antagonists, but we'll get into that. I, I did like Franco's and Riley's characters and the way that they interacted together. However, yeah. I mean, Franco's character, there wasn't anything to him. He was more of a possession or a thing than, oh, yes. <laughs> than, than actually a plot vehicle or a character himself. Well, this is almost why I'm saying like it didn't feel like the movie began until literally the end of the film, mm. because at the end of the film it's like okay you had you had the the three nuns and them coming to to rescue Franco Franco's character I'm like okay cool now I've got a little bit of a a thing we kind of have you know the party as it were and all right now let's go see what mischief they do. Mm. that should have been like 10 minutes in I, 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 don't, I don't know I felt it it dragged and it don't it's probably because it's a long form adaptation the 
structure and evolution of the film itself is probably what's working against it in your eyes. Starting as uh, like a single uh, short story from a book and migrating to a 20-page outline, which then expected the, the cast to fill in the contents to flesh it out. Yeah. And I get... I imagine the difference between what you and I saw via our different lenses yeah. is I, looking at this movie, I felt that they filled it well, that their parts were whole and actual for what they could have been with it. Like, there's nothing more that they could have done without it actually being a fully written, reevaluated, rewritten, like an actual film process. But I, I definitely un understand where you're coming from. Like having the contemporary mannerisms and language working yeah. against it and taking you out of like the period. Well, and, like, so I, I think that's only part of it. Mm. Like it, it, it's, it's not the contemporary mannerisms isn't what threw me off. I mean, and if that was the case, why would I watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail or, or, you know, half the Mel or, most of the Mel Brooks films that are out there, right? It's not, it's not that. It's the things to me didn't feel like they connected. It didn't feel like, again, like there was a story. Their interactions didn't flush out the world. It was filler. It uh, was like uh, Plaza's character was just a bitch. She just didn't like that guy. So drive him out, drive the, the friar out, essentially. Right, um, I so, mean, sure that kind of that kind of comes in at the end, but it didn't feel like it was a. It didn't feel to me like it was built up, like a foreshadowing to, to you know, her her being a in in a coven. It just felt like, nah, you're just kind of. A word that I'm not going to say, but really want to. <laughs> I mean, you could you could say that she is that word, but then you could also say that she could be the representation of wrath. Okay, so, I can see that. Yeah, I originally thought that the characters themselves were a personification of one of the deadly sins. Okay. But when trying to chart it out, it didn't make sense. Of course, you had, like, Father Tommaso John C. Riley could easily be both gluttony and greed. Um, you could have Fernando Aubrey Plaza being both wrath and sloth. Like, they definitely had multiple traits. This kind of harkens to these types of films and series like Always Sunny, where all the characters are just bad people. And what I experienced in this film is the progression of each of the characters through the sins, specifically Alessandra. If you were to focus on this entire movie as being about her, she would learn her original introduction when talking to her father was filled with envy. Okay. Um, she was envious of those with the partner. All she wanted was marriage. Um, these type of traits. Right. And then she she goes through this series of loss. And that's something I found interesting. I might mention that later. From there, she didn't become abusive like the other girls until she had lost everything. Then she started going through this progression, which ended up through wrath, gluttony, um, lust, pride, etc. But it wasn't... She, show, she definitely showcased her wrath when they were all abusing the groundskeeper. Yeah. I think Makuchi's character was only acting out at that time because she was around the other girls. Yeah, I agree with that. That, that tag-along little sister character. So th this, is, this is the kind of perception that I'm going with right now that it didn't really have... The, the, tr the trouble with the movie is the lack of the antagonist, as I kind of mentioned earlier. They're not fighting against anything. They're just bad, bad people existing until there's an apex and then there's some type of resolution. Yeah, lack of antagonist kind of I mean cuz they're not working works. against anything, right? They're they don't have a mission, they don't have a quest. 
they're not trying to accomplish something. Yeah. I mean, I guess they kind of are, but very surface stuff. And this, this is why I think the entire movie was to showcase these, these girls going through a series of the sins. I, I'm struggling to see it. Mm. I not necessarily agree. So I, I, I honestly feel almost like the lack of conflict, I guess, is part of it. I mean, it, it's one of the big things with, with comedy is the timing and the setups and the payoffs. And so, again, I think of uh, the, the John C. Riley and, and Dave Franco when they're doing that first confessional. That, to me, that was hilarious. I loved that conversation because there was the setup and the payoff, right? The setup of him being chased out because adultery right and then he just goes into it it goes into the adultery and i'm like in the specifics of it I'm like yeah no this is funny there was the payoff there <laughs> right and and john c Riley is, is essentially the straight man in that and that was just amazing i didn't see any of that with with the others so the the jokes almost fell flat right it, it didn't there was no setup with the way with why the girls are treating the friar that way for saying hi or good morning. So it didn't come across to me as something I could laugh at. It came across to me as like, wow, I want nothing to do with you guys. And whereas like you said, always sunny, it's like, yeah, they're terrible people, but there's a setup for that terribleness that makes it funny. Everything came across as a non sequitur. Mm. I mean, yes, you can do that. As I said, Monty Python does it well, but I mean, again, there's still the setups and it feels like a story is happening. And I'm not... Like, I can see where you're saying it might be the, the lack of antagonist, for lack of a better term. Uh, lack of conflict, I guess, is what we'll say there instead. But you have to have something happening in a plot to to move it to move it forward right? it doesn't need to be the end of the world like a big thing right even if it was something like play a little bit on Ree's character seeing her father before they actually do it mm. you just said yep here's your father here's that little bit of a scene there was nothing things like how does she feel about her father coming anything like that really built there so i ended up not Seeing things like you're seeing where you see them going through the sins and such, it's just, I guess, vignettes with, mm. like, next to no connection is almost how it felt to me. Um, I'm not going to lie, I checked the time, like, four times <laughs> to see how much longer was left in the movie because That's, of stuff like that. Yeah, the, the seat or phone check, the being pulled out of the movie either because of disinterest or a lack of connection to the film. Is yeah. always a bad thing, and well, when when that happens to me, I'm just like, no, I I'm not enjoying this film. Like, even if it is, like, could be, you know, a world around movie, but if I'm checking the time, chances are, I don't like the film. Yeah. Some of the things it, it, I, I I really did like, like using using the donkey as like a constant plot vehicle and a joke, I found absolutely entertaining. I thought it was so funny. Like, why the donkey's getting out? Well, the the reason why the donkey was getting out is she was using it as cover to join her coven. And yeah. then from there is a character point where Bakuchi's rejected by Plaza. So she takes away the donkey. Yeah. And then, um, Plaza, of course, takes the donkey again so that they can go to the fertility ritual. And then it culminates at the end with... Um, Molly Shannon? Yeah, Molly Shannon <laughs> taking the donkey so she can go out and meet John C. Riley. So, like, that, that constant callback, and they definitely were going into some of your common comedy stuff, like rules of three and that sort of thing. Like, yeah. they had three conversations about why the donkey was getting out. So, they, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I appreciated, like, things like that. I'm <laughs> I'm wondering, it, it might also, like our disagreement in this point might also come back to the way of delivery 
So the, the movie is structured as such so that it resets the humor after every joke. So yeah. it'll go to like a Spartan ground level and then it'll do something humorous, either uh, dry, witty, um, background, uh, a callback, or alternatively like um, Laz's character, something more abusive. Um, it'll spike up and then it'll immediately drop again, resetting that humor, and that's something I actually liked about it. So it was that flat line where I would get a chuckle, chuckle, yeah. and then I, then I, a guffaw, like an actual right. like throat laugh. Okay. So that that structure of humor I found very appealing. Okay. And I'm wondering, it sounds like that didn't work for you at all. Like the the way that they delivered it in this film. Yeah, there there was a lot of that. that it's mostly yeah, like it. The delivery was. I think it could be because of those things. Again, it felt forced. So, you you're never you never had the. It didn't feel like there was enough setup. Mm. Right? I don't mind that. I don't mind the quick stops a lot of time. Like I mean, I get that. You 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 do things like that sometimes and, and have that reset. But it feels like half the time it was that way on both sides. Mm. It, it wasn't there was a setup around this until like a, a bit later in the film. It it got a little bit better. I'm thinking um, the, the way that you probably see this film is this is a question even though I'm making it sound yeah. like a statement. So there's a first half. Yeah. Discard that first half in your head. You yeah. now have intro, story, climax, um, the drop down from the climax, whatever that's called, I forget right now. And then your ending. Anticlimax. <laughs> yeah, your anticlimax. There you go. Yeah. So it sounds like the way you view this film is maybe even the last third, but it's definitely after the halfway point. That's mm -hmm. when it had a whole functional story for it. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I, it, it felt like, I mean, there, there's the, the common trope in, more so in horror films, but it, I mean, comedy and horror have surprisingly a lot in common. I could, um, I could see that. That'd be an interesting topic. And it, it, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they've, they're a lot in common when you actually look at the setups payoffs that type of thing so a common trope in horror movies is 20 minutes with jerks where you spend the first 20 minutes of the film seeing how bad these characters are or so when the slasher comes at them you don't necessarily get invested in a different way right or mm. around them right and this felt like there, there was too much of of that it was just a uh, like there's no inciting incident like i i honestly thought it's like okay the inciting incident was <clears throat> again the adultery thing but i mean that essentially is dropped you don't see anything like that until the very end of the film again right it's not like they were coming after him or anything so you had that inciting incident then you had an inciting incident again with um Bree's character basically being told by her dad is like yeah no 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 this, this is where you live now and nothing kind of really sparked from that like you didn't really have an inciting incident that moved the plot along until you know aubrey plaza's character is was doing the the first part of the fertility ritual and oh with the belladonna and all that with the with the belladonna and all that um and then again that's when all of a sudden the movie took off i had lots of issues with how the nuns were um with with franco's character a Just... lot of issues <laughs> i was very mouth agape through a lot of it and i yeah i I've... then again it felt like something was happening and See, the movie was moving somewhere it's interesting it's interesting the how different we see this film because for for me that inciting incident of Bree's character losing everything that she had worked on and hoped for and then her descent into like the sinful aspects of herself i think if the movie was restructured if that let's be honest 
35 40 minutes of film was compressed to like 10 would probably yeah. be more satisfied because that entire that entire structure there from my point of view is what yeah. that was yeah essentially seeing and that's that's one of the things i really enjoyed about her character as a whole was seeing she, she's a sister in a convent mm -hmm. and instead of turning to god in her time of need when she's effectively lost her family her prospective uh, suitor all her work was destroyed slash lost and therefore she has to do it again which is more time she has to do double the amount of work so instead of turning to god in a, co a convent she turns to sinful acts i just uh, yeah i i i kind of want to attack i definitely don't see it the same way as you're yeah, describing yeah. it here because what i'm seeing is so she was always lustful that that's not a change she was always not really doing work i mean she, she was the rich kid and she acted like the rich kid to the point where sure there was the turn as you say it's like oh yeah well i guess i'm gonna I'm, I'm stuck here now so i'm gonna wash my own habit and just hands it off to the others anyway like oh no that sounds like work there was no change there she was the same one it, it was but all, all the all the embroidery level all the embroidery all the embroidery work that was for sale was done by her like she had different tasks like plaza was tasked with care of the donkey uh plaza and Makuchi were tasked with the she was tasked with the embroidery, which then was sold by the the corrupt priest. But it's it's weird to have two completely different perspectives about a character. I find this super interesting. So then, what what I'm wondering is, like we we've talked a lot about the sisters here. Like, what what is? And obviously, we we actually have the same point of view on Franco's character. Yeah. In the in the film, he's just a he's just an object. Like. There's nothing more to him aside from, like, a couple jokes during the con the confession. Yeah. I think... Do you want to see Riley, Sean? Yes. In this film? Did super well. Honestly, my favorite character is probably Offerman. The Lord Bruco, who kept yammering about the Guelphs. Yeah. Any Any scene that he was in, I was... I was laughing. I was hysterical. Yeah. I and that's the thing. Like I, I found that, I found that fantastic. And I mean, I feel like he was absolutely hysterical. I did like his, his stuff, but you didn't get enough of him, and he was so divorced from the rest of the film, mm. right? And, and we we talk about Franco's character. Franco again, they set up his character to have something happening, and. I think that, like, obviously, I have no idea about the source material. Yeah, and so this, honestly, this is pure speculation. This, this is probably us being that far from the source material. Yeah. In the fact that this entire movie could have probably been forty-five minutes, half hour. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. Continue. Yeah. Um. So, like, I have no idea the source material, but what it felt like to me, I guess I'm gonna step back for a second. The trailer definitely made it seem like it was about the girl. And I think that's what the movie tried to do. But when you look at the story, the girls are not what the story was about and never was. The, the story should have been about Franco's character. You, you have an inciting instant right, right off the bat where, like, if this was any other movie, and like, I know I added this to the list, like Casanova, mm. this movie made me think of Casanova and how it was done, a similar idea done done well so franco's character is is under threat of being killed for sleeping with the lord's wife as a commoner right he shows his intelligence when when um the lord cuts this bit of hair so he goes and does it to everyone else so he can't tell who it is they figure it out anyway he runs gets himself into a mess with the covenant god was that a mess <laughs> and then to get captured by the the, the lord again and then have them come free him. He's everything about the plot should have been following him. There's a storyline there that's straight through line story. I would definitely agree that the the only person with any actual s concrete storyline 
would be with Franco's character. Yeah. Though it's un- it's unfortunate that his character and I imagine if he was the the subject or the primary character of the film would show type, some type of character change but didn't. Yeah. Granted I went in to the film assuming that there wouldn't be any change in the characters. Most comedies, especially anything that's absurdist, there will yeah. be almost no character development. Yeah. <laughs> and because of the uh, anachronism of this, it would follow suit. That is a very valid point. Like, if this was a different movie, yeah. it likely would have followed him. It's. I'm wondering, because the the source material here, what was it? First Tale of the Third Day from a collection of short stories i'm wondering if there's additional tales that are missing kind of one of those things that you'll see where they'll draw out a concept into something far too large with not enough component yeah but let's let's step aside for a moment all right let's not talk about the characters and the story beats and that sort of thing it sounds like we agree on most of it we just have different concepts of what what is good and bad about it yeah i'd like to talk about how lovely the environment and the scenes were the shots that they did of the valley were so beautiful the the director i think you'll see a lot in comedy a lot of it's just static yeah or like crazy shots there's nothing super artful or anything we have the shot you go go between the two characters set up the joke yeah they offer punchline or um subvert expectation etc like standard comedy yeah. yeah so it's all scene based like vast majority of comedy can be shot indoors yeah look at sitcom <laughs> yeah three sets that's all you need for yeah. a sitcom yeah the, the shots that showcase the environment and i believe they actually shot this i think in the south of spain i'd have to look but it was it was definitely done uh overseas they were just so beautiful like there there were so it's a little hard for me to say it looks like um italy mm. Tuscany. so i mean there's definitely some scenes that pop out to me like um the shot of the bridge Mm. Um, uh, which which like what I'm wondering game. which shot though are you talking about the uh, side profile or the straight on kind of the, the side profile is like a lower side profile okay so bridge. you saw the hill behind it and the bridge yeah. as if you were walking it yeah okay yeah in the, the, the opening scene like, again the music took me out of it but I mean I, I could get a little bit of that imagery of like sound of music where you're just seeing like the opening sound of music where you have just the scenery yeah um, i kind of like, i kind of looked... that series of shots i felt the music didn't bother me at all because i'm not familiar with the time period of music but that open opening scene of the pilgrimage yeah. of um plaza and the donkey just walking through the fields and you see this sprawling landscape and like the greens and the mountains i actually had a moment there i was like this it's a beautiful area that reminds me of some of the valleys in bc so i just really enjoyed those thoughts i i felt like the director was able to throw some art in that aspect within a genre that's typically not known for beautiful shots yeah i agree Um, with that like before i got taken out by the story like there was again that pilgrimage i really enjoyed that pilgrimage and and like yeah the music isn't working for me but it was nice to see that bit of artistry i agree well that's that director i i'm surprised i i honestly i would love to get your take sometime in the future um if you haven't seen have you seen i heard huckabees oh i saw that ages ago been like it, it's something i've seen but uh i yeah. probably saw it about the time it came out type thing <laughs> yeah i i really enjoyed that movie too and like the the director and writer of this film also um co-wrote i heart huckabees 
So I'm... I remember liking I Heard Huckabees, but I can't remember anything about it, if that makes sense. Well, the, di the difference here is Vena provided, again, a 20-page outline yeah. versus, like, an actual writing thing with the script. As, as far as the directing went, I think uh, probably as good as you would have expected, given the lack of material for, for the cast. As far as the writing side of, go, side of it went, there definitely could have been more structure or adaptation. I'll definitely give you that. Um, and I think you would appreciate that as well. I think they probably gave too much rain to the actors and actresses and relied too heavily on them. Because yeah. it'd, be, it'd be different if Brie and Plaza and Mikuchi had all worked on a couple projects before. Yeah. already had that rapport. Did Riley and Franco work on anything together? Um, I don't remember seeing anything off. Because I know, I know Franco and Brie are married. Yes, and then they kind of, you know, kind of enjoyed them together. Being married will do that. I did because um, they had that little bit of chemistry again. I would give oh. you, yeah, I would give you that Plaza's character did come off like it. It felt a lot like uh, her character from Parks and Rec. Just rehashed into olden times. He just threw her in there. Don't really think that there's much more. I think there's that much more that the actors and actresses could have done with the lack of like a fully fledged script. I'd have to see a making of, but chances are it would be the director going, Hey, you do this, this, and this. Go forth. You have to mention this in this scene. Like, that being the level of writing or directing for the characters. So yeah. them having to just make something up on the fly. And I mean, that can work down footage horror films. That, that is essentially what they did. That's the whole thing with Blair Witch. They gave them, here's the things you need to mention. Same with Paranormal Activity. So, so you can do that. I feel like if they were, like, I mean, without seeing the outline, I can't say this. But yeah. If they were given the outline... <clears throat> They went, they decided to riff off of each other and they go, oh crap, we've got another 15 pages to go. Mm. Right? So again, it goes back to that pacing aspect of it. it <clears throat> that's why the pacing is scene by scene and not over the course of the film. Yeah. And that's probably something that also pulled you out. I, I know, I, I, I would, would definitely rate this highly and recommend it to people. In fact, I put it on the list. Yeah. But... Now, I feel a little bad for it, <laughs> but it's it's. I, I like the fact that we like wholly disagree on this film because um, we haven't had that yet. <laughs> no, and I imagine that that will come. Yeah. What's what's difficult for me and and comedy it go, kind of goes back to what I was mentioning about like the scenes and the shots when we're talking about directing. Yeah. Um, because they are very like set oriented and it's all about what the people are saying or the absurd actions that they're doing or the injury that they're experiencing. Um, you won't see a thing where like in the background there's glowing red on one side of the screen and growing blue on the other side of the scene. You don't see that a lot except in situations where that director has done more than just comedy. Yeah. When they start getting into... Your, your dramas and your thrillers and so it really just ends up being like two characters standing there talking to each other and one of the things that i really enjoy about when i watch a lot of these movies is kind of picking that apart and being yeah. like oh i see that red glow on the right side of the screen and i from that you can kind of get tell what the character is supposed to go on like um consciously picking up the accents that the subconscious is picking up on that's like a little where's waldo for me yeah. that i that i really like doing and i was worried about this this one going into it because i i don't have a strong structure of analyzing comedy itself yeah i, I just laugh at things i just yeah. find things funny and i knew that going into this you wouldn't have those little shots those little art artistic accents. Yeah. Um, 
So I was a little worried that I wouldn't be able to pick out on those things. I know there there is one character that I know you absolutely love. Hmm. And that is a turtle with a candle on its back. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> that that was something I did find funny. That was again one of those things that felt and felt very Monty Python almost. <laughs> so you like, I, I just see something absurd like that happening there. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the the movie did have it did have its funny moments. It, it it's not it's not that it was unfunny. It's just that a lot of the jokes were antagonistic at best. And I mean, I know, like, I, I see exactly why you're trying to compare it to like Always Sunny. Yes, but the the, the difference with Always Sunny is it turns around and the main cast are the butt of the jokes in the long run. They're doing something completely, completely dumb, and it comes around and bites them. Well, that but... doesn't happen. Like n- nothing like that happens in this. It, it, it so it just comes across as these are just terrible people, and no comeuppance. And again, Franco's character. Let's face it, um, he gets put through the ringer in my mind, and even that doesn't have any consequences. For any of the characters, because I gotta lie, almost every interaction with um, the girls and him felt a little sexual assaulty, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Sort of, but I believe I believe the only hesitation from him is just him trying to maintain a cover. From my perspective, he is only a representation of lust. Like him being an is just a sexual object in this that. The fact that it took like three seconds for him to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm totally good for this," and but he's in the he isn't the only character because the same thing happens with uh with Makuchi's character. Yeah, you know, I was mouth agape the entire time. Yeah, yeah, de- I definitely see what you're saying. Like overall, but it kind of leads into the like the cl- climax of the film itself. Which yeah. I thought was entertaining in the fact that it was all the lies and the sins of these characters put out on display yeah. in in front of like the representation of the higher power, in this case the bishop and outsider. Yeah. So everyone coming being ex- exposed in that manner. The fact that yeah. like Franco is isn't a deaf mute Plaza is a witch. Makuchi is apparently Jewish and a lesbian. The John C. Riley is a drunk and sleeping uh, with the sister. And then on top of that, just like the absurdity of the bishop opening his door to just seeing like a donkey standing there. Yeah. Which which calls back <laughs> to the original recurring donkey joke that I really enjoyed. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the like that that climactic part yeah i found it absurd um, yeah it's, it's like the you know it was just like I... all of the yeah like all of these just clashes happening i really enjoyed that with the exception of john c Riley and molly shannon together and it's again simply just going back to kind of my theme for this there was no setup to that there was mm. no indication that that was there and it's not like they didn't have scenes together where they could have done a glance or something Right, I mean, you see all the nuns doing that whenever they were in, when they were doing their prayers. Mm. <laughs> so that part in and of itself felt out of place to me. Yeah, there definitely um, wasn't a setup for that part. Like there was no way you were glances or anything. But yeah. I'm fine, fine with that per se as a gimme to the film, because from the structure of the rest of the film, like we're not going to give them a hard pass on anything else. Yeah. So giving them that one story beat is a fun yeah. gimme, in my opinion. Yeah. Plus, you you kind of needed. It would have been better if they set it up, but they they needed something sinful uh, for Molly Shannon. Yeah. For everyone to be included, yeah. I guess you could say, and that was probably a bit of a letdown because like she had more of that pure pure character, which hadn't been tainted by the rest yeah. of them, including like the the drunken father. Just going with climax, another thing that I loved. As much as I think with with Mikuchi, like when they're they're doing the the ritual, 
in the uh in the woods mm. i absolutely just loved her because <laughs> i mean high out of her mind and <laughs> just trippy out jumping around then everyone starts staring at her when they realize she's there i thought that was hilarious See, so, and... felt, felt with her character very well <laughs> i really enjoyed that well that's where you can tell where they, they didn't start getting that they didn't start meshing and getting that rapport yeah until the later yeah. part of that movie but just that thought of seeing like Mikuchi out of her mind in like plaza over franco with the blade going like who, inv- who invited her not me like having yeah. that mean girls moment yeah well like about to stab james franco just yeah. see that's that's the absurdity that i really enjoyed about the film and in- whole formed i think i think i could make you like this film by cutting out like 35 minutes of it yep um, I, com- I completely agree with that like um not that i would <laughs> yeah try to force you to make this film i think from your perspective if i were to just guess is if this was in a 22 minute format you would have enjoyed it significantly more yep would completely agree that kind of culminates that climax and the anti-climax where they're having like their random sins yeah read out and honestly like playing with a woman homosexuality yes i know technically they're the same thing but we have to keep them separate well fred, for fred our armisen bishop bartholomew the perfect person for that job yeah uh, absurdist appears to be very stand-up but yeah. is quite obviously like something very quirky about him. Yeah. So having him deliver these lines with that straight face and that stone like stone face gaze. Yeah. And just reading out the like most random thing and none none of them he a lot of that might have been improvised. Mm, Maybe a little bit of pre planning, but that's a good case of it hitting. Yeah. Granted, there's not really any back and forth that was needed in that scene. Yeah. Because he was the primary talk, so he could just say whatever. He also has a a long-storied history of those type of improvisation. Yeah. That climax and anti-climax of the story fully being the most entertaining section. Yeah. For me, I had the little laughs, the chuckles, maybe a couple outbursts going to that. But that prepared me. Or the coven scene yeah in a way that at least for me i don't think it would have hit as hard if it was a faster or harder beat um comedy beat i feel if there was more humor points during that that entire scene would have had to been even more over the top okay but i would say the culmination of those three scenes back to back were just blissful for my humor like oh neighbors probably heard me laughing (laughs) <laughs> that those parts i yeah i i did love the ending and i mean just talking about the casting is like when i'm looking at the characters and 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 how they became it's like i think they cast them properly like yes aubrey plaza yeah no she is that character um Gucci is that all of the people were cast very well i i think a lot of it again it's either that that pacing or it's just missing the mark took them, yeah they missed the mark and it i'm not sure who didn't recognize they missed the mark from what i see yeah that's really what it is i like these characters i mean these are some of my favorite comedy actors i really enjoy watching them but it, it, it a mix of the pacing and the the chemistry wasn't quite there until too late i mean reasons like that i i give this movie Nine out of thirteen bad habits. Nine out of thirteen, honestly. It, but my emphasis is on the bad. Oh, is this a negative score? This is a negative score. Oh, I did not enjoy this movie. You, you, you did through this discussion. You did make my score a little bit better. Because so was... originally I had it at a thirteen, eleven out of thirteen bad Ooh. habits. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, oh no. And I can't give them any good habits because no character in the entire film had a good habit. Darn. I would then have to have my own scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that being said, through this discussion, I 
no longer like the movie as much as I did before from the very valid points that you brought up. All right. So instead of what would likely have been a four out of five turtles with candles on their backs, probably down to a three out of five turtles with candles on their back. All right. I, I just... So would you say that then you agree with the Catholics, Catholic League's review about this movie of trash, pure trash? I, I would like to note that I actually wrote that down to say I completely <laughs> agree with that. Um, again, you, you've made it a little bit better. So it's not, so maybe I'd get rid of the pure trash, but I would say trash. <laughs> mm. I, yeah, I, I think this just culminates too, and I would agree that it just mixed it missed its mark and likely just needed more more script yeah um a little bit more script probably would have fixed a lot of it probably 30 you know, percent more script and i, I to keep them on track a little bit more i think they definitely could have made it more about Bree's character because yeah. I, th- I i really think that's what they were going for yeah and you you know it's bad in a film and I, you wouldn't have me saying this until after this discussion. But you yeah. know it's you know it's bad in a film where a complete secondary plot vehicle, like plot device, that was Maceto, Dave Franco's character, yeah. is the one with the most realized plot yeah. storyline in the entire entire movie. That's probably a very bad thing. Yeah. So I guess overall, this means we probably should have kept this off the list and kept Velocipaster on the list. <laughs> anyways well with that then i guess there's not too much else that we we can say about this movie this has been batb media club join us next time with the second wall for the third part of carol and tuesday series that'll be episode seven through nine and following that next media club for the tale of princess kuguya something that i know that both me and devon are very excited to be watching and uh, neither of us have seen. Check us out here or uh, any of our other platforms listed at beardyandthebeast.com. And if you find us compelling, try to convert your friends. Thanks for joining.